<laughs> Let's get this party started. Pookie, cover me. I'm going in. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Annie Ogre Totoger. As your host, I am Will, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Matt. Hey, Matt. Oh, hey, Will. How's it going? I'm alright. I'm ready to start Season 3. How about you? Very ready to start yeah. Season 3. Alright. And also, joining us for another season is Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, this is actually going to be your first season premiere, because you weren't actually involved with our Season 2 premiere, if that's correct, right? Right. Yeah, so how's that feel? It feels great. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm th- <laughs> this is going to be a great year. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping we can get you on for all 12 episodes that we have, because I think you were ultimately involved with nine episodes of season two, if I'm remembering correctly. I think so, yeah. Yeah, you started in March, and you weren't there for our sibling episode, so I'm ready for you to really have the full ogre experience with us. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so let's break things down. Season one was our Shrek season, as yes. our title doth suggest. Yeah. Um, that one got pretty weird. Like we went uh, one episode in a car. We watched the movie yeah. backwards. I we forgot a, we did that. <laughs> yeah, we had a super sweet Shrek teen. Um, and uh, I think it's safe to say that the movie uh, didn't quite fuel us as much as season two, where we just kind of kept things pretty basic, right? As, as far much, as the, yeah. as far as the recording is concerned, uh, given a conspiracy theory episode or two. Um, but yeah, so that was cat in the hat, and I don't know. I mean. I can't say which season I like more because I feel like I have a soft place in my heart for both seasons. <laughs> sure, yeah. But uh, we were figuring out, and that was the cat in the hat, if I didn't say that before. Um, I was trying to figure out what can season three be. But before we reveal what season three is going to be, Matt, you had an anecdote or something you wanted to share. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was in church on Sunday. Oh, boy. We're yeah. just gonna go. <laughs> uh, well, actually, it was Saturday night. But, yeah, um, something happened in in church that made me think of what movie we're going to be doing uh which was that in front of me there was a little baby yeah uh and and the baby had a plushie okay um and the plush was donkey from shrek sure which i don't understand where they got it unless it was like a hand-me-down from like 15 years ago right (laughs) but like it was just a straight-up plushie of donkey and i it kind of made me smile and i thought about the podcast and so that in mind, Will, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be watching this year? Yeah, that's a good setup. So this season, we're going to talk about Garfield the movie. <laughs> uh, the 2004 film adaptation uh, by, um, what's the director's name? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I should look. It's the guy that did um, The Borrowers. I know that. Yeah, which actually, I kind of like The Borrowers. It's I like Pete, The Borrowers a lot, yeah. It's Pete Hewitt, uh, yeah. who is, I think... Most notoriously known, if not for Garfield the movie, than for either Bill and Ted's Bogus Adventure, or Bogus Journey. Uh, yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Bogus. or Thunderpants with um, what's his face, Ron Weasley. Oh, uh, Rupert. Grint. Is that is that Grint. actually? I might be thinking of a different. It might be. No, wait. Was Rupert Grint in Thunderpants? Yeah, he yes, was. Yes, he is. He's in the, I'm on the IMDb page for As it. well as <laughs> Stephen Fry and Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Giamatti plays a character named Johnson J. Johnson. I've never heard of Thunderpants. What is I, this? It's like a, all about like farting, right? Going to space should, or something. Should we have watched this? And, and I don't know, <laughs> but maybe this will be season four. Who knows? Um, but well, we sh- we I've never... See this movie. Oh, what were yeah. you saying? I was gonna say we should clarify the things that tie Garfield to our past two movies. Yeah, well, obviously the cat connection. Yes. Uh, you want to go with the other ones? Um, based on a book or right. comic strip character. Um, yeah. Also, there's a Puss in Boots connection as an orange cat, but that's more of a stretch. Cause yeah, Puss that's in isn't in the first Shrek, but. But I'll allow it. We'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, oh yeah, but anyway, this guy also did Zoom, I guess, 
and oh. uh, a Home Alone sequel. I think it's the one with French Stewart, The Holiday Heist. Yeah, The Holiday Heist, which I didn't know this until I read about it, that French Stewart is actually playing one of the original thugs oh. in the first Home Alone. Is he playing the tall, lanky one? I think he's playing Joe Pesci's character. Really? I think so. One of those two. <laughs> we need a Joe Pesci replacement. Who are we getting? Get <laughs> French, French Stewart, Stewart on the line. <laughs> His market oh, value went down since Inspector Gadget 2. That it did. Um, but anyway, so uh, Garfield the movie I think is best known as the movie that Bill Murray is most ashamed of in his uh, <laughs> yes. filmography. Uh, At least according it, to Zombieland, yeah. <laughs> right. Which I don't think that's too far off. I mean, Probably it sounds not. like... Uh, should we talk about the notorious rumor about his casting? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Chris, I think, actually, didn't you want to share this one? Oh, I mean, basically, uh, basically, um, the movie is written by uh, Joel Cohen. Right. Uh, and apparently Bill Murray was under the impression that the script was written by Joel Cohen, uh, you know, of the co- the, inf- the famous Yeah, Cohen I guess um, we should explain that you're talking about, so the screenwriter's name is Cohen, spelled C-O-H-E-N. But yes. he thought it was Cohen, spelled C-O-E-N, who yeah. Joel Cohen, E-N, without the H, is best known as the Academy Award-winning filmmaker from, like, Fargo, uh, Big Lebowski, uh, No Country for Old Men, along with his brother Ethan Cohen. But yeah, so I guess there was a mix-up, and apparently uh, Bill Murray thought that uh, a Coen brother was working on this adaptation of Garfield the movie. And was like, well, if the Coens are involved, then surely this is going to be good. And he was reading the script, and he was like, this is garbage. Like, are you sure the Coens did this? And they're like, there was a mix-up, Mr. Murray. He's like, oh no. And obviously by that point, he signed the ink, and it's all that. Now, Chris, you dispute that this might be a false rumor. I just don't feel like Bill Murray would would just sign on to a movie sight unseen because he's notoriously very selective with what he he's in. But of course, maybe that uh, selective selectivism could be a um, a result of this. Of this. <laughs> he's right. like, he learned his lesson, so now he's well, like, never again. I think it's I think the reason why I actually believe this rumor to possibly be true, and obviously we don't know unless we talk to Bill Murray. But um, I think it's possibly true because he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have a manager. He manages and is his own agent. Uh, so he gets. If you want to get Bill Murray in your movie, you have to call like this direct number, and who knows if you're gonna get that message answered at any time soon or at all. So I do think that if he had no manager and no agent, being like, "Hey, this is not what you think it is. You shouldn't do this." That it's fairly likely that that might have been the reason why he ended up doing Garfield the movie. You know what's also great is that there is also an Ethan Cohen like. Yeah, I was gonna bring. Joel... Okay, so I was, I was gonna bring this up. What if Ethan Cohen, the filmmaker behind Holmes and Watson, also spelled C O H E N, right? Yeah. Yeah. What if he met Joel Cohen, uh, the screenwriter of Garfield the movie? What would their oh conversation be like? It would probably be like some bizarro alternate version of anything that the the yeah, real the Cohen brothers would do. What the Bizarro Brothers? Like, there's a what? parallel universe, and these two guys just kind of wandered into it. So you think that there are two separate brothers named Joel and Ethan Cohen in Hollywood right now? I don't think yes. that the Co C O H E N are related. I just looked it up. I, I think they're separate entities. They're they're not sure. you know separate entities. They're adopted brothers. Yeah, <laughs> step brothers. Step brothers. There you go. How many gigs do you think those two have gotten though over the years, just based on their name? Probably I would say a not lot. Many. Okay. I mean, well, apparently one. Uh, I guess. <laughs> well, Eaton wrote uh, Tropic, Tropic Thunder, so right. I mean, there's there's a win there. But other than that, he didn't right. do anything good. So we'll never know, and that's a conversation we can continue in another episode. But for sure, um, Matt, you wanted to talk about our history with this film, so why don't you start? <laughs> oh well, yeah. So throughout my whole life, I've gone through obsessions of like various. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, various cultural things. Uh, like when I was little, it was Mr. Rogers, and then Blue's Clues, and then SpongeBob and Spider-Man. And right after Spider-Man, when I was in third grade, I was really, really obsessed with Garfield, mm-hmm. which coincidentally was the same year that this movie was coming out. Well, at the tail end of third grade. Yeah, um, tail. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, and so I was tremendously excited for this movie. I was literally counting down the days. And what's that? I said me as well. I actually had a pretty oh. similar relationship, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, and then I saw it, and I loved it. 
because uh, <laughs> I was, you know, nine, and I didn't really know any better. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's rewatching it. It's not a good movie, but we'll get into that. How about you guys? What's your? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go first just because mine echoes yours fairly closely. Um, and I guess for me that was probably about like fifth grade. I remember really having a similar kind of obsession with Garfield. Uh, that has been renewed in recent years, as you, as you would probably know if you follow my Twitter or social media accounts. Um, but yeah, no, I, I remember, like, unironically, I was really into Garfield around, like, fifth or sixth grade, or fourth or fifth grade, maybe, um, building up to this film. And I saw it at a birthday party at Star City, the now defunct Star City, as maybe uh, Matt <laughs> might remember. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, I remember, uh, I think that was the time my dad got really mad about ticket sales before the film. And um, I remember thinking the movie was pretty good at the time. Like, I, I, I think I kind of liked it more out of obligation yeah, than anything else. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. But I didn't dislike it. I think it was fine. But I remember there was, like, parts of my brain where I was like, oh, that's not right. Or why they do this? Like, little things. Like, it was at that age where I was starting to, like, question movies, but not to the point where I was actually, like, directly disliking them unless, like, for, like, egregious petty egregiously petty reasons or something but right um yeah i I think this is like kind of like when i was starting to like question movies if that makes sense but Mm. uh, (laughs) not quite but close to it uh chris how about you uh pretty sure i got into garfield around third grade because my teacher had a um had a collection of the books and so i went through all of them during the um uh you know the study periods or whatever they called them um and uh, then I started reading all of them, and I, you know, I, I pretty much got every book when it came out. You know, you, did you guys have those Scholastic book fairs that came oh, to yeah. school? I love the Scholastic book fair. Yeah, everybody loves those, uh, and I would always get the newest Garfield book. You know, the collection of strips if it was there, and you know, I would I would read them, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the morning and stuff like that. So I, and I think I had the same reaction to the movie as you did. Um, you know, I thought it was I thought it was fine, but then there were certain things that didn't feel quite right about the character of Garfield in the movie, but didn't really bug me too much it was kind of like you know as I was like okay whatever I'll, I'll sit back and enjoy this but I think that was like you around the same time when I started to register um cr- like uh involuntary or not involuntary but unconscious critiques of movies where I was kind of noticing things right and how old were you when this was happening um third grade I don't so okay. I'm not oh sure. sorry you probably mentioned that actually um, I don't know how old, was, how old I was when the movie came out but uh third grade is when I got into the strips okay um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say, Matt? Um, when I was, I, I, I do want to note that when I was in, like, ninth grade, I think, and, or it might have been eighth, when Zombieland came out, mm-hmm. um, and in the scene where Bill Murray says that Garfield is one of his regrets, still being naive and not having rewatched Garfield since I was, like, little, I was a little heartbroken about it, it oh, being really? his regret. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I still like Garfield, and I, it was, like, the first... It was really, honestly, probably my first exposure to Bill Murray, mm-hmm. interestingly I, enough. I, think, I mean, yeah. that, that's probably... I don't know if it was my introduction to him, because I feel like I'd seen at least one or two films of his yeah. or something related to him uh, before. Actually, I think my introduction to Bill Murray was Osmosis Jones, mm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was he's in the, the live-action segments directed yeah, by... Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> He was totally in the live action segments co directed by soon to be Oscar nominee, I imagine, Peter Fairley. Yeah. Man, I totally forgot a whole lot about that movie. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. It's, um, some of it holds up and some of it doesn't hold up at all, as Moses Jones, from what I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with that out of the way, um, and I will say with Zombieland. I still think that was one of the best jokes in the movie. I really thought oh, that yeah. was good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but in any case, uh, moving away from Zombieland and going back into Garfield the movie, Chris, I wanted to start with you. Tell us your reaction to watching Garfield the movie at this time in 2019. Distinctly remember the opening song of the movie. Me um, too, yeah. And it, it's <laughs> far worse than I remember. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> my my first note is starting off strong with the Baja Men. <laughs> Actually, here's a really stupid thing. Um so back, you know, the, the the lyric is like we've got the we've got the groove or whatever we got the most fun. Um, yeah, yeah, we got the most fun. I remember that part. I thought when I first saw it, I thought they were saying "migato" as in like Spanish for uh, my cat. I was like, oh, okay, so that's why they oh. picked that song. Because no, I think that is actually it. Is it? I no, don't know, but there's a the, the credit song. Yeah. Or the, sorry, not the credit song. The um, 
uh, song that they play during the DVD menu. Do you know what I'm talking about? That they did Guska Skola. You know what I'm talking about, Matt? No, no, I, but I, I, I'm talking about the yeah. opening song. <laughs> okay, but I, yeah, but I know like the one song that's in Spanish in the film. They're actually talking about the orange cat or something. Oh, okay. So it is Spanish for orange cat or something like, or maybe just cat. I forget exactly because I, I will admit, friend, I'm not, uh, I'm a little rusty when it comes to Spanish, but I do know that the one song is Spanish in the film. I think it's in the middle. I think it's during the vet scene, if I remember correctly. Okay. Or I have to, I have to double check when we we watch the film but i knew there is a spanish song in the film that is about cats but i i don't think it's this one but i don't know for sure yeah i mean i'll, I'll watch it too I, I own it i bought it on amazon digitally wow. i uh what a commitment i i paid money um that i earned through manual labor to uh <laughs> feeding to, to, to own garfield for forever feeding pete hewitt's pocket and jim davis's <laughs> pocket i imagine sure yeah um I don't think I ever noticed it consciously when I first saw the movie, but Pookie is pretty much dead on. Um, yeah. His, it's less fluffy than I thought he would be, but it's pretty good. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, I was very pleased with the Pookie look. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty I accurate needs, I think the movie needs more Pookie, but I also have a note about Pookie I need to address right on. Okay. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where as soon as they introduce Pookie, which is, I think in the opening shot, right, because it's an extended right. opening shot, yeah. Or maybe two shots tied together. But in any case, it's one of the things that makes the movie like instantly wrong. And it's because, as we all know, uh, Odie was introduced before Pookie in the comics because of Lyman brought uh, Odie. And I think Jim Davis wanted to make sure that there was a soft side to Garfield. So he mm-hmm. gave Garfield the, the teddy bear of Pookie. But the film starts before we meet Odie with Pookie. And it's just... Uh, whatever the word is the um, chronologically wrong I don't think that's I think that's the least of the film's issues <laughs> but it's I just would say that's not an issue at all <laughs> but it's it's like an early it's sign a different that, continuity will well I could get behind that but for me it's a sign that hey you know that uh, that uh, chronological order the, the things that you know about this comic well, throw them out the window, because we're not going to follow any of them. Yeah, this ain't your dad's Garfield comic right, strip. Right, exactly, exactly, Chris. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, this movie is rated PG, and I don't know if this is in the trivia or not, because I haven't read the trivia yet, but uh, I was reading something that, um, from what I understand, it stated that the movie is rated PG for uh, one Brief, one line. mild language. Yeah, uh, he, says, he sneezes and says, damned cat allergies. And they put yeah, that in there and, because at uh, that time, G-rated movies were no longer considered to be as profitable at the box office. So they pretty much put a PG rating on the movie to ensure that they would get better box office receipts. Yeah, wow. actually, I think that's something Disney does as well because all their animated films now are PG for kind of uh, arbitrary reasons. Except for Cars, uh, and Cars 2 is the most messed up Pixar right. movie. If there's any Pixar movie that should be PG, besides like The Incredibles or something, that it should be that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, hey, no, let's put torture in our movie for kill for children. But um, to actually, I think there's two dams in the movie. Uh, there's that one you're talking about with uh, Stephen Tobolowsky, who is actually really good in this movie, and I feel bad for him immensely. Uh, he says, yeah, he says, damn cat allergies at the beginning of the film. But there's also on the te- television they show the best damn sports show ever or something oh, like that. Yeah. So there are two dams in the film, but it's brief, mild language. You are correct. Um, although, and then Garfield has a line uh, that I kind of surprised me. I can't really get my head around it. He sees the lady on TV bringing in the cat, and he says, that cat's puss is everywhere. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Yeah. And I don't know what he means by that. That is uh, aggressive. Yes. <laughs> I do really, I can't get my head what? around it. What? Yes. It's towards the very beginning when uh, when the the bad guy is is doing his show, and Garfield says that when the lady brings the cat onto the set. Wow. Unless I misheard, I'll have to rewatch it. Before. Um, if you misheard, I I, I would uh, say that um, maybe you need to give your mind a scrub, but I I will have to look <laughs> out for that next time. Yeah, I'll I'll check it as soon as we're done recording, and I'll let you know. But uh, all right, uh, um, save it for next time. But yeah. I love that um, that Stephen. What's what's the how you pronounce his last name? Tobolowski. Tobolowski. I love that he has a, a more successful twin brother that he's resentful of, and that's not really yeah. a plot point at all. It's just kind of a thing. It's just a detail. It's a character I, motivation. It's yeah. a character I wrote detail. that um, 
Tobolowski's twin brother subplot is basically the same subplot from Rest Development. Yeah. Jeffrey Tambor. Even down to the one having hair and one not having hair. <laughs> yes. It's just weird. I don't, I don't know what the uh, genesis of that concept was, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I noticed that John's meal at the beginning of the day is called Hash and a Dash, and it looks absolutely nasty. <laughs> it looks absolutely disgusting. It looks horrible, and it's huge, too. That is, a, that is an absolutely enormous portion for one person. Yeah. Um, it's like a tub. <laughs> I actually kind of like that. I noticed that, too, but I kind of like it because it kind of idealizes like the cartoonishness of it. Because there is actually one point in this film that actually feels like a Garfield comic come to life. And that's when they're eating lunch, and he like switches the bowls. Yeah, says, I don't think there's. Liver- I don't think it's one moment. I think there's one of my notes is actually that. Um, there's a couple times early on in the movie where they effectively act out a Garfield strip, complete with Garfield looking at the camera, and I yeah. I think I like that. Like uh, him yeah. doing the toilet uh, thing. Yeah. Or where he flushes the toilet. Um, the switching the food. There's like there's at least one more. I like the Rube Goldberg yeah. uh, part. Oh yeah, it's a good. I was gonna say, um, I think you might have uh, said sometime last year that some character from the Cat in the Hat is basically like our Deadpool. Uh, Basically, what? Our Deadpool was that the Cat in the Hat you're referring to, Matt? Yes. I was gonna say, I think you might have uh, spoke too soon. Yeah, you're right. Because I think watching this movie, I was really getting a lot of Deadpool undertones, especially when he kept breaking the character and he was a comic character that seemed to know that he was in a movie adaptation of his own life at several points. Yeah, I think yeah, he does make a joke about. The, oh yeah, whenever he says actually about persnickety being everywhere, he says, "Who would like a life like that?" And then he looks at the camera. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's that. So that's an interesting thing that I had with the movie that really took me out of it, and it did when I was younger too. Is that um, the design of Garfield is just barely off. Oh, it's awful. It's an abomination. It's bad. I mean, like... I, I, but I, think... I know it's been addressed online, but I, we need to address the fact that Garfield apparently can't poop. He has no butthole. <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> he has no butthole. <laughs> distracting. I don't know if I wanted them to animate a butthole, but maybe just don't have his tail up all the time. I, I don't know. His just... bottom is shown several times in the film, and you can't look away, and it's... It it just it's it's distracting. I agree, Matt. Well, I think when he's when he does the smile with the eyes like half shut, you know, like his classic look. I think that yeah, looked yeah. okay. But yeah. but the full eye smile, full eye smile is awful. The all the right. dancing. Yeah, anytime is his eyes open, yeah, it's awful. I I hate that the end credits have a still of one of those shots, <laughs> and I have to stare at it for several seconds <laughs> due to my commitment to this podcast. And, and I, yeah, yeah, one of my notes is just Garfield's wide eyes. Dash yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. It's it's really awful. Um, there's a couple more notes. Uh, I like that uh, when he's in the um, office building. Apparently, there's just two guys on the payroll to monitor the vents and press a button to clear him out. It's. <laughs> 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 That's, 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 that's apparently their only job. He has a he has a screen that has vent diagrams on it, and he's just like, "Oh, we have a blockage." And there's like a red dot right where it is, and yeah. <laughs> I also love. Uh, I guess we should purge the system. I think this is something that's going to tickle me more as we watch it. Uh, that vent scene when it ends with Garfield just like pressing against the thing. Yeah, yeah. I love that there's a reaction shot from a guy who clearly notices it, looks at it, and he's like, "Does it nothing. Well, that's weird. <laughs> And he just goes back to doing his job. <laughs> like, well, also, not, like, if Garfield slammed into that wall, what was it sucking him towards? Or what was he getting pushed towards? I have no <laughs> a, clue. A, a flat wall? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't, no. Oh, my God. But it's also cartoon logic, so I can kind of excuse it, I guess. I don't know. The other issue, the major issue with this movie, or oh, two issues. First, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt sucks in this movie she's um, awful i mean she's beautiful have i love disagree. jennifer love hewitt because she's so pretty and seems to be like a very nice person um and i would like to meet her sometime but the character of liz in this movie is um well somebody needs to go to jail for writing that part i mean <laughs> that's a bit extreme but i will agree that liz in this film is a poorly written character because i actually think liz in the comics is a good character yes she's self-dependent She's sarcastic. She's funny. I like I like Liz as a comic character. In the film, she's written very poorly as just to be the bland love interest for John. And John is but not I will... really enough of a schmuck in this movie. 
No. Like, he's always uh, he's he, so weird and has these weird hobbies, and he's just kind of this oddball loser, and, and Brick and Myers plays him as this nice guy. Right. He's vanilla, but he's not, like, lame yeah. in a way that John is. He's not, like, nerdy or dorky in that particular way. He's just kind of awkward, if that, like, kind of cutesy, if anything. I mean, like, yeah, the comic yeah, so. the comic gym is, like, somebody who would open his John, bag of chips or, from no, the sorry. bottom and think he uh, reinvented snacking. Uh, no and then this guy is just, eh. Yeah, apparently, yeah. according to IMDb at least, Jim Carrey was asked, or, or Jim Carrey was considered to play John, and I, I would like to see that. I feel like he could have done a better... Uh, I can't get schmucky. No, but no? see, that's the thing, is that... that it's weird to say this, but Jim Carrey has too much charisma to play John. Yeah, like true. I, I actually think Reckon Meyer is a pretty good actor, but I think he's okay about being like not that charismatic. You just need, kind of need like a bland dude, but you can't have a boring guy. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think Brecken Mayer, Brecken Mayer in this film is okay. He's fine. And I will say I don't I don't have that strong negative feelings that you do towards Jennifer Love Hewitt. I will say there is at least one scene in this movie where I think her acting is bad, and it's like the like, um, what's it? The uh, crush reveal or whatever when they're in the house. I think it might have been the scene after oh, that. She's like, he's... that's why I always had a crush no, on you in high school. Uh, Actually, not that scene, but the one after it where he John is revealing that uh, he lost Odie. The acting, mm-hmm. her acting, that scene is pretty bad. But I think in on the whole, especially like in the vet's office and stuff, I think her acting is decent. I think it's okay. I think it's more the writing that underserves her. So I'm not gonna get on the Jennifer Love Hewitt hate train. I think that her the the sexual vibe she puts off towards John is is really weird. It made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you have any more notes? Um, no, that's about all. I have a couple other things that's like really small ones, but I want, I want to hear what you guys were saying. Um, okay. What, what you guys? Uh, oh, oh, last note. I actually got a good laugh off the scene where Garfield is walking through the city and he's singing the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Yeah. It's su- such a weird non sequitur, <laughs> and he's just walking through the town like he's trampling on the vintage, and it's like I don't, I really don't understand the thought behind writing that line, but. It was funny. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I I don't understand half the decisions in this film, but uh, we'll get to those in a bit. Matt, what were you gonna say? Oh, I I. Do you, should I go into my notes now, or do you want to go? Yeah, into sure. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, well, I think so. Obviously, last year we had the thing thing every month. Of course. I I think this year's recurring thing is hashtag justice for Lyman. Uh, yes, of course. I think Lyman always deserves justice, <laughs> and I think that's something that Jim Davis constantly deprives us yeah. in his uh, decades-long comic. Where uh, is Lyman? Give us Lyman. The Lyman cut. <laughs> <laughs> the Lyman cut of this movie. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to note that. Um, I also have a note that I don't know why there's a milkman in 2004. Eh. I mean, there's some places that still get milk delivered, right? Is, there, is the, milk, yeah, the milkman still a thing, isn't it? I, apparently it is in or w- this city. It was 15 city, years which, ago. <laughs> yeah, the, this city, which is aptly named The City. Yeah, of uh, course. Have you guys noticed there's a shot where he goes onto the highway and there's a sign that says The City? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right. Again, I think, that's, I think they're kind of going for something kind of like comic generic. Yeah, no, like, it, it works. I'm, I'm saying, yeah. And is that um, kind of a callback to the cereal box, where it just says the city? Oh, I don't know. I, I forget if it said I forget if it said just the city on the comic or the cereal box. But mm. what, what were you gonna say? Um, well, my next note is Garfield says at one point, "I know you can't hear me, but can you listen?" <laughs> and I just want to give kudos to the movie for at least like addressing and giving us the rules up front. That's true. That's good. Um, yeah, I kind of disagree. Why? Because I actually feel like the movie kind of follows, like, Stewie Griffin rules for a good bit. At least, like, early seasons, Stewie Griffin. Mm-hmm. The first three seasons I actually watched. Because there, there are a couple moments where he seems to actually be having a conversation with John. Like, when he's taking uh, Garfield to the vet, and he's like, are we going to this thing? No. Are we going to this thing? No. Like John doesn't respond to him but, during that. I know, but it sounds like, without seeing... Uh, Myers lips. It sounds like he's having a conversation with Garfield, and he also has a heart to heart with him. But that's like kind of weird because uh, this actually 
my whole thing with this isn't so much with the dialogue, but rather the egregious use of Garfield's moving lips, which really bugs me. Because Garfield in the comics, he doesn't talk. He just has thought bubbles. Mm-hmm. The move, the comic makes this very clear. And the movie, because I guess it would be weird if Garfield just had like some kind of like uh, Miles and Otis kind of just inner dialogue would be too off-putting for some audiences, even though we have to look at his abominous CG form for 80 minutes. I don't know. I, I think the decision, my my ultimate gripe with the film is that they make Garfield's lips smooth throughout the movie, which I think is extremely annoying. Okay. Well, okay, but any, back to the thing about addressing the rules, though. Okay. I mean, he says it early in the movie, and they basically say John can't hear him. I mean, but, like, haven't you ever conversed with your pet? Like, Sure, yeah. I, I, I ultimately agree with you. And like I said, thinking about it and talking about it more, it's, my issue is more just that they have his lips moved than anything. That's, that's my fair. That, yeah. my my petty gripe with the film. Um, Odie is too smart in this movie. Yes. Really? Yes, I agree completely. Yeah, Way Odie, like, smart. knows to dance, like, like pushes Garfield off the couch. There, there's, there, there are a few moments where I'm, like, Odie is actively doing things that require at least a little bit of intelligence, which in the comics, Odie doesn't have any, really. But isn't there, right. aren't there a couple times where Jim Davis pokes fun at the fact that maybe Odie is putting them on? Um, like I seem to remember, yeah. there was a, in later yeah. Matters, a yeah. Well, there are there are comics of Garfield where like Odie suggests that he has like kind of like an underlying wit at times. Yeah. Isn't Odie reading War and Peace to. at one point in the comic? Something like that. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he. Yeah. yeah, he's reading War and Peace like in like with a with a. I don't know what he what else he's doing. But. So, Chris, are you implying that Odie is actually smart, but he's a glutton for pain? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I think I think the, the one thing they got right about Odie in this movie it was during the first introduction where Garfield is talking to Odie and Odie's sitting on the couch and then you have this reaction shot of Odie just staring at him just a blank yeah. stare like I thought that was great uh, but I have thought ever since the movie came out that they did, did not pick they did not pick the right breed of dog for Odie no yeah it no. doesn't look like Odie yeah it's just a and dog and I don't get I don't get how um yeah, I don't get how he's supposed to look like Odie. He looks nothing like Odie. I think they went with that kind of dog because he would be about the same size as Garfield, a house cat. But, like, I feel like with artistic license, you can let the dog be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Are we all okay with Garfield being CG, but the other animals being real and live action? No. Not, Not okay. Really. At the very least, Odie should have also been CG. Yeah, and yeah. normal, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Well, I have a big grape with Nermal, but I'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, I, I also I have a note that just says uh, why about Nermal, but I knew you were going to get into it, so I didn't. <laughs> so, no, let's just talk about Nermal right now, then. Uh, okay. I hate Nermal in this movie. I hate him. Yep. And, I'm, I, and the thing is, and I wrote this explicitly, I don't hate him for the reason I'm supposed to hate Nermal. I hate Nermal because he's not Nermal. Nermal is cute <laughs> and oblivious. And not he's oblivious. oblivious in the, he's... I, well, in the, in the, he's a little, like, he's, like, kind of ignorant, I guess. Uh, but in the movie, I guess he's kind of ignorant, but he's not cute. He's ugly. He's gross. I don't, and that's not what normal is. He's like supposed to be so cute that Garfield hates him. Yeah. He yeah. just is another cat. He's like the cuter, he's the cuter, younger version of Garfield that gets right. more attention. I, uh, exactly. I eventually lost track of which, which of the supporting cats were which, and I just gave up in trying to, to remember. Because <laughs> they don't do anything. They don't do anything. Right. And they all, they all look the same and it just doesn't, yeah. I totally agree. And I forget- Nermal sucks in this movie. <laughs> and uh, and that's the thing. Like he's supposed to suck, but he's not. He doesn't suck in the right way. He right. sucks in the wrong way. Yeah, they they have him as like the dumb character in this. The... Well, that's like a big problem with the whole movie. Is that the movie kind of it kind of knows what Garfield's about, but the humor never really, um, never really takes advantage of what makes Garfield funny and like the gag. Like they're a little they like oh he likes lasagna and that's just a character trait. They don't make it like a thing, right. you know? Right. Yeah. But the, the humor is all wrong in this movie. Yeah, well, I will well, I say mean, one of the jokes I do like is him falling out of a building and landing in a lasagna truck. Like I, I think that's a good joke because why would there be a lasagna truck? Right. <laughs> I think that that joke would have been better if he, if like you know he about when he's about to fly out he says I remember what, can't remember what he says but uh, I think it would have been better if he would have frozen in midair and said that and then fallen. I don't I don't know why I. Oh I think, sure. I think it would have been funnier if it was less obvious when he fell it was going to be a lasagna truck instead of just plastering big on the side lasagna so it's just sure. like 
I feel like I don't know. If, like maybe like if we like followed know. like like a POV or something, like saw him following, and then he falls into his truck, and like it pulls out on this lasagna, and it's like I've been saved by the miracle of lasagna. That could have worked. Yeah, sure. But like making it so obvious that he's gonna fall into a truck of lasagna isn't that funny. They me. spoil the joke preemptively. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. To each his own. I still think it works, but that's fine. Uh, I one of my biggest gripes with this movie is that I hate the Black Eyed Peas sequence so much. Oh, the dance number you mean? <laughs> oh, when Garfield's yeah, it like swaying to the music forever. <laughs> Yeah, it like keeps he keeps returning to the same animation where he's like staring at the camera and swaying, and it makes me uncomfortable. And it's like five minutes long. Yeah, I was actually uh, you reminded me of that I was gonna as I thought about this on the drive home today. That I have the exact same <laughs> thoughts on that scene. It's just the look on his face is just creepy. Yeah, I, lo- I love that you had to think about Garfield on your way home. Today. <laughs> It's I, I can't I can't get away from it now. This movie is uh, gonna right. dominate twenty nineteen for me. I might <laughs> watch like it again it, tonight. Gonna... Oh man, I would not recommend that. Like we say, you're only obligated Chris, to watch you, it twelve yeah, you, times. You don't have to do the cat and hat thing for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're only obligated to watch it twelve times once per month. Or let me rephrase that. Only you only have to watch it one time each month for totaling twelve times in twenty nineteen. So, uh, you have any more notes, Matt? I have a few more, yeah. Um, Liz's license plate says Pet Doc. Yeah. Um, some of the people in the crowd at the dog show are, like, really into Odie dancing. <laughs> they are, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if you saw a dog dancing at a show, you'd be like, oh, that's cute. Like, some yeah. of these people are like, yes! <laughs> like, I mean, I, I think this I, town is fairly sheltered. And by that, yeah. I mean... <laughs> The fact that a dog dance was front page news in this town. Um, so that's conspiracy uh, yeah, theory true. episode material right there. That's uh, true. We'll get, we'll I get think there. the fact that front page news is dog dances at a dog show <laughs> suggests that uh, there's not a lot going on right now. <laughs> it's pretty pretty low key, right? This town that seems to look just like backlots. Um, I. So you talked about Steven Toblowski earlier. Um, yeah. And I, when, whenever his character action, Jack Barker showed up on Silicon Valley a year or two ago, oh, I yeah. knew he looked familiar. And obviously I haven't oh, seen no. many over the years, <laughs> but I knew that I knew him from something specific, but I didn't know what it was. And, and I realized now that it's, it's the Garfield movie. Right. I mean, I will say, to- Stephen Tobolowsky is a great actor, great character actor. Yeah, he's been he's in a lot of stuff. I think he's probably best known for Groundhog's Day, also starring Bill Murray. Yeah, but I only saw uh, Groundhog Day in, like, 2016. Right, but, but I mean, culturally, I think he's most well-known as Ned, uh, whatever that guy's last name is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, I never really, I just, I never connected that they're both in, both Bill Murray and Garfield, or both Bill Murray and Stephen Tobolowsky are in Groundhog's Day and Garfield the movie. That's really well, weird. Well, on the subject of Bill Murray being in the same thing as people, Bill Murray and Lorenzo Music are the only two people who ever voiced both Garfield right, and Peter Venkman. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters, we should clarify, right? Right, yeah. Yes. yeah. <clears throat> uh, man, that's just weird. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, any more notes, Matt? Yeah, uh, we could probably find multiple similarities between Liz and Joan Walden. Okay. Okay. I don't know. That was a note I took. Uh, this. <laughs> so okay, I, I want to tell a little story here. Okay. Will and I uh, test ran this movie back in August. July. I, I, it was August. Um, okay. I was home, and uh, we decided to just watch Garfield one night. And we we're with the intention that this might be the movie we do next year. With um, and, some extracurricular activities in play, I should mention. Sure. Um, but uh, we, when we got to the scene where Garfield sings A New Dog State of Mind. Oh, uh, the musical number. Will made a comment that is one of my favorite things that he's ever <laughs> said. <laughs> which is about halfway through the song, he just goes, Man, this song doesn't even slap. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I said that. Yeah, that's all I could think about last night watching this. Um, I just love that it's a big emotional musical number that's supposed to like make a, have no like it's it's like one of those scenes where there's not supposed to be a dry eye in the house, 
and uh, I just—it's just so corny and stupid. This is what is um, this? The musical number in the middle where um, Garfield sings out, being locked out of the sings. house before oh. he locks Odie out. Holy crap! I totally blocked that out of my Did memory. You blank on the musical number. Now? <laughs> forgot I forgot that about that part. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. It's not a good part. Um, I, I, I just—I kind of like two it. More. I kind of like it. Um, I'll just do two more notes because I, I, we were going kind of long and Will still has to do his, but, um, Arlene says you shouldn't put a dog outside because dogs run away. And I just, my note, I have that written. I just have what? <laughs> like, do cats not run away in this world? I get, I, I, it, it's just a weird line, right? Am yeah, I, am I alone in that? A little bit weird. I mean, I think, I think cats are less likely to run away. Um, right. sure. I think they imply that cats are more domesticated and dogs are a little more uh, wild. I don't know what, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Either way, that line made me upset. I don't know okay. why. Okay. Um, you think that was a Joe Cohen line, or Joe Cohen? Hmm. I mean, you think that was a Joe Cohen line that he wrote? Maybe. That? Yeah. Um, and then uh, <laughs> whenever John punches. Uh, <laughs> happy whatever his name is in the face right i lost it it's so absurd <laughs> this is for stealing my cat and dog boom it's like right in the kisser would you say yeah right in the kisser um, <laughs> also i'm sorry I, i'll just make one more but does garfield make a joke about hanging himself at one point i think so um which one are you referring to when he's in the or the pound or whatever and he's like in the cage and he comments about how he likes Odie or something, and then he's like, someone get me some shoelaces. Oh. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, he did make that joke. He also had a line where um, he said, hey, let's, let's, he tells, I can't remember who he was talking to. It might have been Nermal. He said, let's play Brain Surgeon. Can you get my power tools? Yeah, I remember yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do you notice uh, that they repeat jokes in this, or repeat lines throughout the movie? Such as? Uh, the tick thing. Like, when they first have Odie in the car, uh, he's like, chew, or like, uh, can it, tick boy. And then when they come to the house, and then, like, uh, uh, he's like, you had me, I'm a chick magnet, now you got a tick magnet. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, you can't do both those jokes, you gotta pick one. I don't know, I'd say that's pretty true to the Garfo comics. That's fair, actually, you know what? <laughs> that's a fair point. I, I rescind what I just said, because that's, that's a completely valid point. <laughs> Um, anyway. I'll save the uh, rest of my notes for later, uh, but okay. you can go into yours. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll hold off on a couple, because I have a lot. Yeah. Um, we have 12 so, months, or 11 more months to talk about this. Right, thing, so. uh, I'll just go, um, so, this movie has the audacity to recreate the Steamboat Billy Jr. bit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The house bit. Which, this scene, I, I think of all the scenes in this movie, this scene annoys me the most. Because the reason that the Buster Keaton scene works is because it's real. Like, he could have died if he wasn't in the right place. Sure. This bit does not work if your character is CG. You just threw a shelf down on the ground. That doesn't yeah. work. As a it kid, it pisses me reason, off. Though. It pisses me off so much. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to, to to use that language on this podcast, but it, yeah. it it's my feelings. <laughs> um let's see what else do i got uh um did you guys find it kind of weird that the house already has a dog door before they got Odie? yeah that was i weird. figured it was a garfield door but but traditionally they're usually for dogs right yeah oh, there's well, cat doors. yeah i guess mike mm, no i had a cat when i was younger that she uh, he used a door but i see what you mean yeah um so i guess when it comes to dogs in this movie they kind of follow the goofy Pluto rules. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, there's I a guess, one, yeah. there's a neighbor dog that can talk. Luca, Brad Garrett. Right. But then Pluto, or, um, Odie can't talk. Mm-hmm. Right. And then about half the animals of the pound can't talk. Right. So it's like a weird, like, I mean, it's not quite exactly like Pluto goofy, but it's like kind of similar, right? Like some dogs can talk and some can't, but all yeah. cats can talk. Seemingly. Yeah. yeah that bugged yeah. me too. Um, so I thought that was important to bring up. Uh, 
I wrote, this movie is lame, but it's not the right kind of lame. And I think that's a pretty valid point. I, I would agree with that, yeah. Because, like, uh, like, Garfield comics are kind of lame, but, like... Right. Yeah. Um, There were a couple things. Mostly, anything that chuckled me, that gave me a chuckle in the movie was from Stephen Tobolowsky. Mm-hmm. It was more just random stuff, like, when the, they go to him on TV, and he just all of a sudden is wearing a lederhosen, and he speaks in a German accent. <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> like, good talk. Yeah. Um... Okay, and speaking of the villain, Stephen Tobolowsky, who again, great. Happy uh, Chapman. Right. I, this movie, it has the audacity, again, to have a moment where, at this point in the film, we already introduced that he's a villain by, you know, abusing and torturing our main dog character. And he mm-hmm. also steals the pet, so we already don't like him. Mm-hmm. But the movie is like we really need to drive home that he's a villain. Let's, oh yeah, I love. Let's I love, have this train I scene. Say, I loved it. <laughs> let's have this train scene where they're like our specials today are, um, was it fish, steak, steak and lasagna? Yeah. He's like, I'll have the steak. He looks uh, to his uh, companion, and the camera zooms into his face. And he says, "I hate lasagna." Yeah, as if I that actually... was the moment. As if. <laughs> All the stuff before was like, I don't know. I don't think I can get behind this guy, but let's see what he's up to. At that point, we're like, no way, Jose. He's the bad dude. Like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I, I liked that a lot, actually, because it's like, it's kind of funny. It's like, <laughs> he's the anti-Garfield or something. Right. I don't know. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's it's really, it's a really dumb joke, but it worked for me. I don't know. Um, Garfield is surprisingly agile. Yeah, that's his, always uh, and buggy, size yeah. And I don't actually think it's kind of cool. Like I, I, um, I think it's kind of neat that they can he can do so much. Uh, and also, it always cracks me up anytime this movie when someone holds Garfield, because it's very clearly like they're just holding oh, nothing. My last note is no one can hold Garfield. <laughs> like you think that should be a role? Like no one should be able to hold Garfield? No, I'm saying like no one in this movie is properly able to hold. Right. Him. Like it's because it's clear like they just don't know what they're doing. Like there's like you're holding a big fat orange cat now. Yeah, they didn't it's give like, anyone like a sack or anything. It's just did everyone holds them like the same way? Like yeah, uh, right hand <laughs> on belly, one hand on his butt. You like, like they're kind of holding their arms, kind of weird. Like they're holding a fake CGI thing. <laughs> yeah, <and it's> obvious. <laughs> yeah. So, I want to see all the dailies of them not holding anything, just like walking around <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah even that, as a kid, the holding him bothered me. It, it just feels wrong. Like it, it gives me like a weird like shiver in my back. Actually, the, I don't know what it is. One thing in regards to that that always bugged me, even when I saw it for the first time, is when Garfield wakes up John by leaping off of the bookcase onto his stomach. Um, yeah. Breckenmayer's response to that is not of a very overweight cat leaping from a height onto him. Like it just doesn't look authentic in terms of uh, of well that that's worth noting that they never actually say that garfield's overweight in this liz says he's fat but that he's happy and healthy right so he's thick (laughs) maybe he's not maybe he's just like a fat cat he's not like overweight but i guess if he was fat he'd still weigh enough to make john react yeah he just kind of gets up like this is the the seams between the cgi and the real world in this movie are pretty pronounced yeah Yeah. i think he's beautiful just the way he is no you don't (laughs) I, don't. I mean, I hate the design. <laughs> I mean, I think as a CG character, he's an abomination. But I think his weight is fine. I think he should be. I think he should be whoever he wants to be in this world. If that makes does that make any sense at all? Yeah, that's that. I I, uh, I know what you mean. I'll give it. It's sure. an endearing character yeah, trait. Just not I said in this it very movie. poorly, and I want to apologize if I offended anybody. But um, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> why? What? What? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> You apologize if you've offended anyone. <laughs> Talk about Garfield. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, and then one last note I'll make. I'll hold off my other ones for now. Uh, it's uh, so we were talking about this earlier in the show. Uh, how uh, this weekend Glass came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that got me a chance to watch Unbreakable for the first time, which I really like. But if you uh, if you don't or if you haven't seen the film, and I apologize if I spoil anything, but that movie prominently features a train. 
Oh yeah. Uh, specifically, well, a train I, I, I don't accident. think it's a spoiler. It's the opening gag, right. or it's the opening. Scene. The opening gag. Yeah. The opening scene. <laughs> right. The opening scene. Yes. And so when uh, there's that scene where Garfield's in the the train <laughs> control room, like, and he almost causes like eight trains to crash I into each other. Eight. I think it's all <laughs> right. Uh, I just like to imagine like what would happen if you combine that scene with the opening of Unbreakable. Yes. And uh, just I just like imagining the movie of Unbreakable with instead of Samuel Jackson Garfield, it's just like yeah. they call me Mr. Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, can I make a quick note about the train scene in Garfield? Sure. I think that it's an it's unearned, uh, like because there's the part where Garfield's walking around the train station. He's like, "There's got to be a control room," and obviously we saw earlier in the movie that John has a train set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that that would have worked a lot better if earlier in the movie they had Garfield like messing with John's trains, so that he they established that he has a, a fundamental knowledge of trains. Exactly. A Chekhov's gun. Yeah. You know, Chekhov's train. Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's train. <laughs> Chekhov's train, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're running a little long, so I'll I'll, um, I'll end it there. Unless anyone else has any other notes for this month of January. Mm. That's all for me. Not this time. Yeah. Well, this was fun. I think we made it through. But I will say I don't know how I'm going to make it through 12 months of this. I was going <laughs> to ask you. The good thing is it's the uh, shortest. What? I was, the good thing is this is the shortest of the three movies. We've but it watched. feels the longest, it, honestly. It really does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Will, or, or both of you, like uh, after after seeing it, uh, how much do you regret picking this as the uh, third season? Uh, it was pretty instant for me. But, <laughs> yeah, significant, significant uh, regret. But I think it's going to be a fun podcast. I think we're going to have a lot of fun discussions about this film, so I don't regret okay. it, ultimately. Amen. Um, with that... Uh, let's clock it for this month. Uh, all right, guys. Until next time, I'm Will. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. And remember, kids, it ain't ogre. Till it's ogre. All right. See everyone. See ya. Bye. So much to do, so much to see, 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 so much to do, so much to see. Uh, and that's a sign that the tank is full.